Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Love Manifested podcast. My name is Shahara, and um, we have a podcast here where we're having authentic conversations to inspire, well, hopefully inspire you, encourage you, and empower you in seeking your personal relationship with God. We believe that um, God is love, and it is his very purpose, it's his nature, and the makeup of his character. And our hope is to illuminate love manifested in each other so that we can see better, have, uh, have more discernment as we walk our, you know, our path, that, that we can choose better in our decisions that we make today that ultimately impact our tomorrows and be better all around for ourselves and for those we do life with. And we do that by having authentic sharing of our uh, experiences, organic conversations, unscripted uh, conversations here. And so usually because we have such a heart culture here, we love to introduce our guests by their heart. And today I thought we would do things a little bit different. Um, We have a portion of our episode that we call, what do we call it? Love. Yeah. we call it love happy hour and just like any other happy hour but ours is with love i mean have you ever been to happy hour before come on i know some of y'all been to the happy hour i know y'all stay at the happy hour you know usually restaurants will have a happy hour and you go over there and they give you discounted food items and they give you Um, There's always some libations involved where they give you a discount and it's like just have a couple, but you end up having more than that. And then they're really happy, but you're happy, too, because you got a discount. You know, why have one when you can have two? I'm not promoting drinking. I'm just saying that's what they offer. But ours is a little different. And usually we um, ask someone to BYOL, bring their own love. Today, our BYOL is going to be a love story, an authentic, organic love story. So I have with me someone that you met in the last episode, who is my loving husband. His name is Roger. Say hello, babe. Hello, babe. No, fool. (laughs) I can't. Anyway, you guys may have um, got a chance to meet him last week. Um... He was gracious enough to share some of his story on the pod last week. So if you didn't get a chance to hear it, it was episode 14, If God is for You, or When God is for You, I think is the title. Sorry, guys. I'm a little tired here. (laughs) But anyway, um, yes, so you can kind of catch up on who Roger is and where he comes from and a little bit of his story that he shared with us last week. But this week... We're going to have love, love happy hour for the whole episode. I'm already really nervous and I can't even talk straight, so bear with me. Anyway, um, so are you ready, babe? I'm ready, but I got a question. What? Why are you so nervous? Because you know I don't the story. Know. I mean, you were there. <laughs> so what are you nervous about? I don't know. Because hmm. I know. I don't think I should be looking at you like this. It's kind oh, of nerve You should definitely look at me like that. <laughs> Anyway, stop. I'm trying to get this this point out. So today we're doing things different. As I said, you can't be interrupting me like that, yo. Anyway, we're doing things different. And instead of me introducing um, 
him by his heart, which I did last week. I'm going to introduce, um, I want to share um, a little bit of our story, how we met, because it's one that's not so unique, as in no one else has probably had a similar story, but it's one that I feel like a lot of times when we look at people's relationships from the outside and we weren't privy to the inner workings, which is nobody's business but our own, right? Um, We can make assumptions about how things went or how things are. And um, unfortunately, that does everybody a disservice because it's an assumption. It's not accurate. And I just want to, since on the podcast here, we, um, our goal is to facilitate hope and um, help people feel like they're not alone in their journey and just to encourage and inspire and empower you part of your relationship with God is waiting on him to help you find your life partner. And um, that is a part of it. And so I know that these days, especially nowadays, a lot of people, you know, um, aren't feeling really hopeful about finding their true love or finding their love connection because of some of the things that they've been through. So we're going to share a little bit. And instead of sharing our heart, his heart, because he's already been introduced, I'm going to share our stories and we're going to share our hearts as the posture and position of our hearts when we met each other. Mm. Yeah. So we can just show you, you know, all that glitters isn't gold ever. But I don't know. Somehow we got here. So you ready to do this? Let's go. Hey, look at you. I don't like the headphones in the and the microphone. Okay, I see you. Anyway, stop looking at me like that. Okay, so, um, wow, it was nearly 15 years ago that we met. And um, when I met you, my heart was very different. The posture and the position that it is today, it's very different than it was back then. Um, As a matter of fact, my heart was um, extremely uh, fragile. It was delicate. Um, It was um, dealing with uh, a lot of a lot of things. My heart was still healing from being in my past serious relationship. Um, My heart was still very raw and tender from losing my father, which was very, um, it was still very fresh. Uh, My heart was, it was saddened and devastated because I was actually real time losing a dear friend who was in his early 20s to cancer. Um, 
He actually passed a month after we left. We met. And my heart was just, it was, it was, it was delicate and fragile, but it was also strong because um, I had chosen to be a single mother of two. I had a, a eight-year-old and a three-year-old at the time. And um, just dealing with what that meant. So my heart was just, it was broken a lot. It was not, it was healing and it was much more healed than it had been but it was still very fragile and so that's kind of where my heart was when we met mine was at the opposite end of the spectrum (laughs) mine was hard Mm. and cold Mm. and bitter and angry and not pliable at all Mm. in fact i had built a stone wall around it no one was going to penetrate it. Mm. It was a hedge of protection that I built all by myself from childhood. Wow. So imagine coming from that point, from that perspective of being so hardened that I just would not allow anybody in under any circumstance. Wow. That's where my heart was. And there was a variety of conditions and reasons and things that created that yeah that sense of hardness coldness that uh sense of self-protection yeah and um so much like you i wasn't really in a position to be loving on anybody Mm. including myself because i just wasn't there wow you mentioned self-protection. I had that too. My heart was definitely in a place of self-protection because I needed to protect myself. I lost my dad. I had been in a relationship that wrecked me and made me feel a certain kind of way. It made me question my value. And it was on the sneak tip. I was manipulated, you know, and I felt very um, dirty because of that relationship. And I just felt very sad because I had two kids and I wanted to protect them. And I had to protect myself so that I could protect them. That Mm -hmm. self-protection is real. Yeah, and I can understand that. Um, For me, um, prior to the time we met, I was in a long-term relationship with absolutely the wrong person. Mm. And I knew it was the wrong person. I entered into this relationship knowing this was the wrong person. Um, From the last episode, um, Mm -hmm. I had a very, very difficult and challenging childhood Mm -hmm. and didn't really have many, if any, examples of love that could be modeled for me in a way that I could recognize, in a way that I could identify. You know, it was a different time. It was a different area. It was uh, a different locale. And it was not something that I really knew or completely understood. But I was examining it as a child. And as as an eight-year-old boy, 
I made a commitment. I made a pledge. I don't even know who I was pledging to. Right. <laughs> Didn't even know that if she ever came into my life, I would know exactly how to love her. Not really knowing what I was saying or understanding the impact of those words. And I released them out into the universe and never really thought much about them until a little bit later when I said to myself, if she ever comes into my life, I will drop what I'm doing to pursue her. And you were eight. I was eight years old. Who were you talking to? I don't even know at the time. I know now. (laughs) I know now that that was God. But at the time, I didn't know who I was talking to. You were just saying that. What made you say that? What 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 was happening around you that made you stop and say, if I ever, you know? You know, I saw a lot of uh, domestic violence. I saw a lot Mm. of domestic abuse. Mm. Um, Very physical, very emotional Mm. um, abuse Mm -hmm. from. All kinds of couples all around me, including my parents yeah. and uh, other people who I had close proximity to. Um, and I knew what I was witnessing, what I was experiencing, yeah. wasn't love. Mm. And I know I didn't want any part of that. Mm. So I knew what love wasn't, wow. but I didn't know what it was. Yeah. And the truth is, I'm still working on that. Yeah. You know, love is one of those things, I think, to me, it's like... It's like art, right? I don't know what art is, but I know it when I see it. Yeah, you know love what you like. Yeah, yeah, love is kind of like that, too. Like, oh, that's not, I like, okay. I can't describe it, I can't explain it, but I know mm. it when I feel it. So that's interesting, too, because we, we really have very different upbringings. We do. So my upbringing and witnessing people around me, starting with my parents... I saw love at a very extravagant level. And I don't mean extravagant as far as things. I mean absolute devotion and adoration, extravagant for each other. I saw love. I saw a woman being a woman, being feminine, being ladylike, being, you know, um, playful with her husband. I saw her husband, my father, being playful with his wife, being... You know, they were into each other when they when they got ready to go somewhere to an event or dinner or whatever. They they look nice. They I would look at them and be like, "Ooh, they look nice." You know, they they stepped out and they are my parents and and I saw love and they loved me. Um I saw uh other people that were their friends, other couples doing loving things there was one couple and i always tell them about this because it's it's kind of funny because you're a kid right i had to be like six or seven and maybe eight and this couple they were they were um sitting on the couch one of our rooms watching tv just the two of them and he was um he was sitting up and she was just kind of like laying on him and i just walked by and something just struck me i was like oh that's so sweet like i just thought it was so cute and they were just watching tv you know, I saw a lot of affection, a lot of PDA when I was younger. Um, and seeing my mother acting like she did for my father, very ladylike, very classy. You know, she was of the time because it's the 70s, right? In the early 80s. It's, she's of the time of, you know, wearing beautiful nightgowns and, you know, beautiful peignoirs and things like that. And and just being feminine. And I was like, that was my first picture of what love and relationship looks like. 
I even remember one time um, when my mom was, God, maybe I was nine or 10 or something like that. And she bought this table <laughs> and like this little two seater glass table. And she put it in her, in the seating area of their bedroom. And she was going to do a special dinner for my dad and serve it in that, in that, on that table. And she had like tablecloth and she had candles and I got to help her put their food. I think it was Mr. Chow's from one of their favorite restaurants. Um, I got to help her like set everything up and she was relying on me, like helping her get everything ready. And then my dad, you know, got, we got everything ready and she was getting herself ready. So I was doing the finishing touches and then my dad came and I just saw his reaction. It was just so, you know, he appreciated it and everything. And then I got sent to bed, but you know, I, (laughs) it was one of the reasons I started loves delicious that's one of the reasons why i actually started that company i never forgot how that felt and i never forgot her being so excited and all that was going into making this just dinner for my for her husband for my dad and then how he was like oh this is beautiful you know just the way he responded so that was my first experience with love so we have two very different uh life beginnings with love coming together. But you know what's interesting about that? Hmm. Is chronologically it happened about the same time. You said six, seven, eight. Yeah. And it was eight years old for me, pretty specifically. Wow. Um, in fact, um, for me, um, it was like, I want to say June, July, something like that. Okay. Well, we were just impressionable ages. We were impressionable at that age. ages, and so that 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 made a mark. But okay, so that's where our hearts were when we met. So you've got bitterness meeting brokenness. You've got on the mend healing meeting, and not wanting to heal, <laughs> and not wanting to be injured. Yeah, but look at all you had been through. Yeah. You know, the childhood, with the military. Yeah, um, there's, there was a lot there. There was a lot. There was a lot. And I didn't want to be injured either, but I just was like, I wasn't, I wasn't even paying attention. And so we met, and we, were, were, we met at a, at a place working out, right? So you told the story kind of last week how, did you tell the story? Yeah, how? I think I did. You, I think I touched on it a little bit. touched on it. Yeah. You had this moment. And you heard this something inside of you say the next one coming in the door is is yours. Well, before we get and to that, there was a lightning bolt in the top <laughs> of the head. And something, you talk about this. it was like, um, you know when you see on TV, you, you, this, you yeah. see the people with the, with the paddles and it clears yeah. and they, yeah, they zap yeah, them, yeah. you know. Um, it was yeah. something like that. Yeah. And something came in live in me that I never knew, that I never felt, that was was completely foreign to me. Right, and so this is funny, and I I know people will think, oh, this, of course he's going to say it. This is really funny, and we have people to verify this. So he didn't tell me that until about almost two years later. Mm-hmm. Um, and when he told me that, I think I was, I then told him, I told you what was happening. So he's telling me the seconds before I'm walking in, this is how he felt. And I don't remember why we got in this conversation, but then I proceeded, because I started thinking about it, 
I proceeded to tell you that at that moment, we drove into the parking lot. So my dearest, loveliest, one of my closest friends ever, um, we were, we went to this class together. She picks me up. It's five in the morning. It's five fifteen. class starts. We get there early. There's one car in the parking lot. Whose car was it? It was yours, but I didn't know that. So we pull in the parking lot. As we're parking, she's, we're getting out of the car. We park. The car is in park. The engine is off. She says, oh, there's this guy in here. I know he's just going to, he's just going to want to talk to you and be talking to you. And I was like, girl, please, we're getting out of the car now. I'm like, girl, please, have you seen me at 5.15 in the morning? I am not makeup and latte going to work out. I come to work. And so we are laughing as we're walking into the door. So we come in laughing. And while you were having that moment, she was telling me that. And I'm like, girl, please. And then she introduced us. And she, and she told me, oh, he rides motorcycle like you. And, she, and, he, and you're like, she rides a motorcycle. And, and it was like, oh, okay. And that was it. That's, that's how that moment happened. So when you tell me that two years later, remember, we were floored learning. This was not something that we created. We knew that. Well, that's true. You know, and our social circles overlapped, yes, you know, for, so, for yeah. many years, actually. Yes. And um, there was so many opportunities for us to have met and yeah. um, been a part of each other's lives that the timing just wasn't right. No, it wasn't. You know? And if we think about, you know, and, and again, we're, we're trying to um, encourage um, because things don't always work out the way <laughs> we imagine them to in our minds, you know, when we're going to meet the man of our life or the man of our dreams, the woman of your dreams what that even means but we had all these opportunities to meet we were in the same building in the same area in the same place at the same time and we never met nope until that morning was the first time we ever met and it was what was cool about it was you weren't looking obviously you were in a relationship i wasn't looking i was i was Deep in, in this, I had just come back from Colorado because that's where my friend lived. The week before, I had just come back on an emergency trip there because he wasn't doing well. And his wife, um, she, she was my dearest friend. And we, she called out to me again and I flew out again. And I would do this often because she, she didn't have anybody there um, to support her. So I would fly out and support and love and just be there with them. And I had just come back and I was, you know, I was deeply affected because he wasn't looking good. And um, so when we met, it was like, oh, that's nice. He rides a motorcycle, blah, blah, blah. But we just started talking and we developed a friendship, I think. We did. We, we would talk every day at the gym in the morning and we would just have regular conversation. Nothing crazy. No. no. Nothing. No. Uh, no Google eyes. None of that. No, not at all. And, you know, it's funny when I think about it, going back to that very first introduction. Yeah. That was the very first time in my life ever that I ever felt panic. Yeah. I didn't even know the concept of panic because it just wasn't part of my makeup. It wasn't part of my experience. 
and to continue moving forward and having the conversations on the daily when we got done with our with our workouts and stuff like that and it just kept incrementally growing you know yeah. a minute a couple minutes more each day a couple minutes more after that yeah i really looked forward to seeing you mm. um it was like the high point of my day i'm in a high pressure high value position in a healthcare system yeah and um That was the pinnacle of my day is that first thing in the morning. I got up excited, ready to go, ready to come <laughs> to, to have that experience with you on the daily. That was a big deal for me. And so what were you doing on the, what were you saying? You were just, you were just what? I was just what? <laughs> you say you were keeping it cool. Cause you oh, yeah, just... cool, calm, and collected. Because, you know, you know, one of the first things that I, that I heard in that panic was, this is not a drill. <laughs> do not do not scare her away don't be stupid just be cool <gasps> calm and collected that's crazy and and you know we've talked about this before and i and i'm just i want us to share this because um i was in a place in a position that had you come on like hey baby or any of that any kind of ooh, anything like that we would have never been because that was not what I needed at the time. And that was not something that I was interested. I've never been interested in the cat calling and that kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I don't get flattered. I think it's nice that someone would say something nice to me. But I'm more about the nice things. Don't cat call me and all that kind of yeah. stuff. So, you know, you, you knowing what you were feeling, she's for you. I didn't see you. I just met Roger. <laughs> that's yeah. it and I was just there having conversation and I too every day was started to look forward to it because it was just easy we would just talk you we know? did we did and and it was just conversation like there was no pressure there was nothing it was just conversation and we had something in common we could talk about motorcycles sure, sure. and it was really cool and I think that when you're in a position as a woman like that when you meet a guy who's who's just chill, it's more intriguing to us than the cat calling and the looking at us like we're a steak dinner. <laughs> I know there was some of that there um, was going some on because I caught there you was. in the mirror. You did. You was looking. You did. You and caught you was, me. And then when I look, you look away. Yeah, you caught me. I saw you. But you know, one of the things I've learned <laughs> about this experience, hmm. looking back in retrospect, you know, um, having that experience, love and knowing people who have and knowing some other people's stories. You know, it seems to happen not only when you're not looking for it, absolutely, but when you're doing something you love. Yeah. When you're doing something you love and you encounter that someone that has potential, you always have that thing yeah. in common. You've always got a, a, a base that you that can you build can your connect. relationship and yeah, connect on. Totally. No matter what happens when things are going well or when things aren't quite so well. Yeah. You know, you still have a foundation, a commonality that, you know, can uh, have the power to remind you of why you got together in the first place. Yeah. Yeah, so there was there was a lot of time there um that, you know, we would talk and this went on for god, it was many, many months before we mm -hmm. had our first actual outside of the gym conversation mm -hmm. 
And I remember, you know, I had lost my dog and another friend was diagnosed, a very close dear family was diagnosed with cancer in that time. I was going through a lot. And you were just very kind and you were just very generous. You emailed me about the dog. And we just had all these conversations and all these conversations started getting more deep and more intense. And, and then, you know, it's like we looked up and, and I had taken a liking to you and I had discovered, um, well, it, I can't take credit for it because she did have to kind of nudge me a little bit. My, <laughs> my dear friend that brought me there that day, she was like, girl, he's everything that, you <laughs> that you're, that's, he's your type. And I'm like, what? Um, yeah, because when I lost my friend, I was, again, I was off. But you, you had a steady gait. You had a steady gait. And so we were friends, and then we started dating. And um, as a single mother, when you are protective, and, you know, I'm not the type to bring a bunch of men around my kids that I'm dating, I didn't bring actually anyone that I was dating around them. Um, and, uh, you know, there came a time. I remember when I was like 17, I was dating this guy, my first boyfriend. And my first real boyfriend, you know. And so uh, we broke up. And I remember my dad was talking to me. And uh, I was upset about it. And he was like, um, well, I knew you guys were going to outgrow each other you were gonna outgrow him and I was like really and he's like yeah you know daddies can see that kind of stuff right? they can. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but he just he didn't say anything he just let me you know do what I was doing and he was like um he's like you have to be careful because and pay attention because you'll look up and you will attract the same kind of guy to yourself over and over again and if you don't want to do that, you need to be aware of that, of the, the people that you're attracting to yourself. And I was like, hmm, of course. I had no context back then. That meant nothing. He was my first, so <laughs> what do I, okay. You know, and, I, and moving forward, I wasn't thinking about what he said. But there was a time in my late 20s, early 30s, where I was like, oh my goodness, I have attracted the same type of dude to myself and I remember making a conscious choice to say you know what I'm not having that kind of guy anymore I'm not going to attract this certain type of guy and it was almost like instantly I started meeting men who were a different caliber who were just different and I met a lot of really nice guys but it wasn't the right time in our lives to be in a romantic relationship but just good friends and people you know go on a date or whatever like that but um i'll never forget that and i always will tell people that you know be mindful because if you keep going after the same person that type of person you're going to most likely experience the same type of hurt you know what's funny about that hmm. when i first met your brother and his friends and other people in the family mm -hmm. they told me Mm -hmm. that you weren't allowed to pick the next one. <laughs> they told me yeah. that I had to go through the committee. Yeah. No, I, you remember yeah, that? I told you there was a committee, but they told you that. Yes, I do remember that. And I was okay with that. Yeah. I was cool. 
they didn't get to pick nothing, but I'll let them think that. Mm-hmm. That's fine. Mm-hmm. They did. I still went through the committee. You did. And it was a long time you were on probation. They would ch- My mom would be like, well, are you going to invite him to the... And I was like, no, he's not invited. He's on probation. And she's like, damn. <laughs> Remember? Yeah, that and then like your mom a few too. months later, yeah. she'd be like, well, are you going to invite him to? I was like, nope. He's still on probation. See, this is the thing, women. Sometimes we give too much too soon. Sometimes we allow too much too soon. And what I've learned is that a man who really cares and who's really going to be there for you and wants to be with you and a way to test it, don't give him everything up front. We give men wively privileges when we're just dating. He hasn't even he hasn't even asked you to be his girlfriend or or claimed you as his as his girl in front of anyone but you when you're behind closed doors. And I think it's really important that we remember that we are special. We have value. And to make a man allow him allow each other to get to know each other and see how he does with something like that does he get Mm -hmm. angry Mm -hmm. is he insecure because if he's if he gets angry he'll be insecure if he if he's if he i'm sorry if he's insecure he'll get angry if he is um if he's cool about it and he's like all right you know if he's just chill he might be really interested in you and he doesn't want to do anything to jeopardize that he understands your value and he will wait for you Mm -hmm. and he will be um more than willing if you have a certain standard and and i've also found that men like women to have standards absolutely if you're wife material you need to have some standards you need to have standards you know and and going back to you know ladies giving up too much too soon too fast yeah what happens in that process from a very primal perspective yeah you're denying the man the his hunt. hunt. Ooh, yeah. Ladies, don't you want to be hunted? Yeah, and don't we want, want to, to hunt. Hunted? We want I to mean, hunt. just think about that. Because we like playful. We want to play, and we want to be lighthearted, some of us. And I'm not, I, I don't want to generalize here. Please don't think I'm generalizing. But there's a lot of women that, you know, that's fun. I, 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 I enjoy that part. And the hunt is real. Come on. Okay, mm-hmm. it's real. And the hunt forces us men to do a couple of different things. Mm. It forces us to sharpen our skills mm-hmm. in such a way that makes us even better mm. husband material when that time comes. Come on, yeah. Okay? Yeah. yeah. It teaches us patience. It teaches mm. us value. Yeah, yeah. It teaches us a strength. Yeah. You know... If you're not wife material, we can go get whatever we want from other ladies out there. Yep. And they'll be more than happy. And I wish, that I want that to change too. Oh, I, I would I, too. I want every woman to realize that she is precious, she's valuable, that she has so much to offer. Hmm. We, we, we're, we have so much to offer, ladies. I don't care how you've been raised. I don't care who's violated you. Those things... They're devastating to your soul and your spirit. But there is someone out there for you that will love every single part of you. Every part that's been wounded, every part that's been hurt, every part that's been violated. He will be mature enough 
to handle. And then together you guys bring each other along into the new, into the mm-hmm. next, mm-hmm. into the now. You know, I, 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 I really get saddened because our things we see today um, with the women that we see. You know, when you look back at um, the 40s and the 30s and how the women dressed and how the classiness of men, they had suits on and they had an outfit that was put together that was an indicator of what they did. You know, and ladies were classy and they spoke a certain way. And I'm always attracted to that time. Not the racism, because there was a right, lot of right. that. I'm just talking about just a just the way the the disposition of women and how they carried themselves and how they had such a um, there was a feminine way about women that was appealing and it mm-hmm. was sexy and it had nothing to do and it still with is by showing, the way it still is by well, the way well yeah but a lot of people they want to show all their body parts all the time and it's almost like um, you're trying to sell yourself and you're selling yourself short when you do that because a, a man that's really going to be um, most men some men some men really enjoy his woman to be a little bit more modest and have yes looks look beautiful look se- sexy but some of that so those are his treats he got on oh, display absolutely and you know what you know here's <laughs> you the know. thing about women you know and i wish more women knew this every woman is beautiful mm-hmm. but not all women are attractive oh i agree i agree okay i understand what you're um and the most attractive thing on a woman is how she shows up yeah. in any kind of situation. How does she conduct herself? How does she carry herself? Yeah. In every situation, good ones and maybe challenging ones and, and maybe in prosperous times or mm-hmm. less than prosperous times. How she shows up. Yeah. And how she shows up with dignity and class and poise and understanding her value. Yeah, 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 yeah. It isn't really relevant how a woman looks right. or putting on eyelashes or showing her body parts or whatever it is that she's doing because mm-hmm. the message she's sending, the way she's showing up isn't what a man wants when it comes to a relationship or to, to wife material. Yeah. That's just not it. You know, women are precious and valuable because they can do something that no man can ever do. Yeah. Women are uniquely equipped to bring life into the world. And for that, they need to be held in a very special esteem. Yeah, I agree. But what we're talking about right now is that the importance of not giving up, giving too much too soon in the relationship. Yeah, you don't don't want to give, and men, you don't want to give up too much too soon either. The fact of the matter is you need to see what she's made out of, uh, what she's about. Well, I think we don't hold each other enough to the standard of, of, of um, earning each other's. Oh, I agree. A lot of things are assumed. A lot of things are just um, entitled. They, there's like a self-entitlement even in relationship. So our relationship was very different in that way. Mm-hmm. 
we spend a lot of time talking we spend a lot of time um not not <laughs> i didn't i didn't i had a standard and when you've been through a lot your standards they really you'll be firm to them mm-hmm. and you don't want to change you don't want to um you don't want to uh, alter who you who you are you know i spent a lot of time uh from my last relationship till i met you um i spent a lot of time praying about the man that i hoped i would one day have and i told you when we met the list was very long <laughs> and i was also very happy being a single woman and i feel like sometimes when when women are very um they're they're just feeling the pressure of society because friends are getting married, friends are getting you know in relationship and and they look around and they're not and they just I've heard it so many times I want where's my husband where's my you know I want to be in a relationship I want to feel loved and I feel like you know the time that it takes between relationships um, it can be long but. What are we supposed to be doing with that time? We got to work on ourselves. Oh, absolutely. You know, and we've got to take the time to uh, self-reflect and become self-aware. And so during that time, you know, I remember I've been in relationships since I was a young girl. I've been always having some sort of relationship going on. And when the last one that hit, and it hit me so deep, I didn't want to be with anyone. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't want to be with anyone. And so that's what took me into a complete deep, like, excavation of myself, my soul, my spirit. And I was trying to cleanse and purge um, the things that I had, you know, experienced prior. But... um that time was really in self care was in self um it was in self uh uh, protection and rebuilding and healing and and i always say you know there's a 75 percent healing that you can do you can do a whole lot of healing with therapy um you know spending time getting to know yourself when you're single enjoying that time being alone enjoying that time exploring and experiencing new things going on adventures traveling um trying new things and you're you're healing while you're doing that because what you're doing is you're getting to know exactly who you are as this adult woman exactly and but there's still 25 percent left and i really truly honestly believe that that other 25 percent doesn't happen until you get the opportunity to be in your next serious and real relationship and it can go one of two ways that 25 cent of healing 25 percent of healing that needs to be done can happen that person can be of such that he is your one he is your your person you are each other's person that he helps you along with that rest of the healing because he brings you back to a place where you can trust again where you feel safe again where you feel protected again where you feel honored and loved again or he can start depleting from the 75% of healing that you've already done. And thank God for you and I, that wasn't the case with us. 
you really helped me um, as we continued. And I think that's why I enjoyed our conversation. And I used to tell you, I don't care what happens because there was a lot of, a lot in your life you had to unwind and a lot in my true. life that I that's had true. to transition from but I was I would always tell you I don't care what happens like from from if if we didn't ever speak to each other again from this moment on remember I would always say Mm -hmm. this it's been such an amazing time because you always made me feel safe you always always made me feel protected I could trust you with my heart and not to say there weren't things that happened that hurt me that that you know um well, I didn't always get it right because I didn't have a coach. I didn't have anybody to yeah. show me the way. And I was really operating, you know, um, with blinders on yeah. because this was the first time yeah. in my life that yeah. love was actually present. And I didn't get it right. I did my best. And there's some times yeah. where, you know, I, I caused pain without intent, obviously. But yeah. um, I was operating in a void. Um, and I'm glad that you had your dad, and I'm glad that you had examples for you to to see, to know it was possible, to know uh, a baseline, to understand what it could, you know, look like. Yeah. Um, for me, that was just conceptual, from a little <laughs> boy's perspective. And you know, I I came I came up to speed pretty quickly. Yeah. You all did. things considered. Um, <laughs> but yeah, there was there was some crazy. rocky. It was rough, rocky. rough spots. But you know what's funny is is you th- you think that you would think that with all that I saw that I was I knew and I was hopeful. I had been through so much because having a father that I that I knew adored me and who I adored and I looked up to, I thought all men were like him. And what's your middle name? And I thought my middle name is Love. Mm-hmm. For those of you L O V E that didn't know, now you know. I thought probably a year before I ever met you, I went. I had this moment where I was making a declaration. I was sitting on my couch at home. The kids were at school, and I was like, this is nuts. My middle name is Love, and I'm never going to have a true, real love. Like, how is that possible? I'm, I'm cursed. I'm hexed. And I remember I, I didn't have the language to know that it was the Holy Spirit at the time. But it was the Holy Spirit said, you be careful what you say. And I was like, oh, God. And I, out loud, I'm having this conversation because I talk to myself out loud. Those of you that do that, shout out the out loud speakers to themselves, <laughs> <laughs> to yourself. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a youngest child, and the next one above me is 11 years old. I spent a lot of time alone in my childhood, so I talk to myself out loud all the time. And it is a habit, and I'm proud of it. Anyway. I was talking to myself, and I said, oh, God, please, no. I don't, I don't claim that. I don't claim that, because we have to be careful the things we speak over ourselves. And I said, no, I don't claim that. I am going to find love. And if it's on my deathbed and it's my last, the last thing I do in this life, I'm going to know what true love is. And I never had that conversation with myself anymore, ever again. And ironically, I met you a year later. But, you know, I didn't because I assumed that's why I got my heart broken so much. I was trusting. I assumed that men were like my dad, that they were loving and that they were, you know, that I could love them into what they needed, what I needed them to be. 
And it's just not true. You can't change anyone. People have to change on their own. They have to want to change. And they have to know yeah. that change is required, that it's needed. Yes. And yeah. have the ambition to take the steps to make those corrections and to make mm. those adjustments. Yeah, yeah. To be not only what they need to be for you, but what they need to be for themselves. For, exactly. We ha- we're, supposed, we're supposed to be growing and changing. Mm-hmm. So um, that's how we grow is we change, you know. But, yeah, that was, that, that was the thing, and it got me into trouble. So here we are. We meet, we talk, and we start entering into this journey and walk of seeing what we were going to be together. Yeah. And I think that um, although it wasn't easy and there was some hurtful times, the way we got through it, I always, I had a, a very uh, kind of a understanding, and I would tell you this in the beginning, you know, um, when you're in a relationship and everything's perfect all the time, you haven't had no disagreements. I don't say knock down blowouts. I'm not talking, no, it can be no. a simple disagreements. Mm-hmm. Because things come up. You're getting to learn each other. And you're not always going to say the right thing that that person needs to hear. Because you haven't learned, oh, that doesn't work for her. Oh, that doesn't work for him. It's how you get through those moments that's important. And if you have a perfect relationship, I've lived that. Mm -hmm. I had a relationship with someone five years. And it was no arguments. And there was no anything. And then one day we had one. And we were in a situation where it was too late to turn back. And it didn't, we didn't fight well. And I always told you, we need to go through some things so that we can see. I needed to see how you acted in those mm-hmm. moments. And I need to know how I was going to act, too. Sure, sure. Have I matured enough? You know, it's really important that, that people understand that. Like, it's not just, oh, your new, your new boyfriend, your new man. How is he? Oh, he's great. Oh, why? Oh, yeah, he's everything's perfect. How do you guys handle disagreements, di- disputes? Exactly. And one of the things that we were wise enough to establish was a set of parameters. Oh, yeah. That we just refuse, even to this day, <laughs> yeah. to even encroach upon, let alone Because we had been both through enough. Right. We knew. And I think that's another indicator. Sometimes you're not always ready to be in a relationship sure. just because you want one. You're not mature enough because you might be the one cussing someone out, right. calling them out their name. If you haven't matured to the point where you're doing that, I used to do that when I was younger. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I'm much older now. I'm not doing that. I'm not going to show up. And anyone that's going to provoke me and, or want to provoke me into talking to them like that, I don't want that. No, no. If I can't trust you to go to the grocery store, I don't want that. No. If I have to look in your phone, I don't want that. Nope. And I think it was very, we were both on the same page. And so being on the same page is very important. There's more to it. I feel so bad because I feel like, I think love at first sight does happen. Mm -hmm. I think that even when it's love at first sight, it's good to spend some time developing and see what that looks like. You're still two different people. 
right? Absolutely. And in those differences, you have to come to an accord of some sort. Yes. Not only how to measure successes, but how to learn from failures and how to navigate those things together. How to establish a set of parameters that allow for couples to to be successful. A lot of couples don't take the time to do that, I don't no. think, because I think there's so much societal pressure. It's too much. You know, you got to have the house with the white picket fence, and you yeah, got to have yeah, the big yeah, wedding, yeah. and you got to have yeah. this, the and you got to have the kids, rings. and all this other stuff. <laughs> um, and those things are all wonderful. Yes, they are. Um, in their due time. Yeah. I think we, uh, and I know me, I have this problem. Um, and I'm working on it still. Mm-hmm. Um one of my greatest challenges is impatience. And then impatience had gotten me in trouble with other relationships. Yeah. Um, Getting into relationships with people that I knew Mm -hmm. weren't the right ones. I knew there wasn't going to be a future. Yeah. But I did it anyway Mm -hmm. with the mindset that something's better than nothing. Okay. And that's just not true. Yeah. It just isn't. Yeah, and my biggest challenge, even when we got married, was what I thought it was going to look like, and looking at everybody else around me, mm, the spirit and of comparison. thinking, well, just thinking like, oh, this is what this is what marriage is. You know, I love movies. Mm-hmm. I love black and white love stories, black and white mm-hmm. movies, love stories, and stuff like that. The old stuff. That's not how it is. Mm-mm. And I remember. Um, I spoke about this on another episode, but I remember when I came to that point where um, the uh, I saw that sermon, Prison of Offense, Stephen Furtick, and um, you didn't know it, but I, I made a phone call because I was totally convicted, and I didn't want, not that I was walking an offense, I didn't want to start. And I, I saw in his illustration women and relationships around me that I was like, oh my gosh, mm-hmm. I could be on the path to being that way too. And I don't want to be that. And so I called our dearest friend and I asked her to, you know, moderate that I needed to confess. And and uh, you were so surprised, but you were appreciative. But it was like, I don't want this. I want us to have a chance. I want our marriage to have a chance. And if I look at people around, I have to define the wife that I want to be for myself. I have to be the wife who I know I can be. And I've never been a wife before. So it was like, I need you to bear with me because this is my first time too, you know? And I, ha- I haven't done this. And that just took the pressure off of me too to perform. Saying it, putting it on the table, and asking you to hold me accountable and allow me to navigate and figure things out, you know, and you were figuring things out too, but it was just, um, that was what I had to really work on was like, you know, being, listening to people even in the church and saying like, it has to be done like this and you don't do that and you don't do this. And it's like, well, why? That's my personality. Like, there, that's, there's no nothing wrong with that. There, mm-hmm. uh, God is not dishonored in certain things, but it was like this cookie cutter type of look. 
And then I looked at other relationships around me and it was like, oh no, no, that's not. So it's really important that we allow ourselves to define our relationships, that we don't compare. Right. And that we don't share. Ooh, that's Remember a big that? one. That is a big one. That was one of our vows. It was. That was my vow. It was. To keep our relationship right where it belongs between mm-hmm. you and I. Exactly. I think a lot of people get in trouble with that too. Especially women, because we're talkative, we're communicating. We like to, we like to talk and chat. And girl, yeah, what do he do? Overshare, you know. <laughs> Overshare. Um, and it's funny, husbands are on the opposite end of that spectrum. Yeah. You know, you're not gonna know anything as a man. You're not gonna know anything about another man's wife. That just isn't gonna happen. Yeah. And and those, uh, you know, another man could be going through some difficulties or yeah. some challenges, but as a as another husband. You're not going to know the details. Right. It, it, it's it's undersharing. It's not your it's not your you business. Know? Yeah, exactly. It's not your business. <laughs> we do. We can we can be oversharers, but I was very much a stickler. I had that under control mm-hmm. before I mm-hmm. met you. Um, but yeah, there's just uh, there's many things that I think go into developing a relationship, and I think now where we are now, our love looks as loving. I, you know, in the beginning, people would say, I heard people say, oh, just wait till the honeymoon phase wears off. Mm-hmm. Remember people I remember would say that. that to us? Yeah. <laughs> people close to us would say Sometimes, that. Sometimes. And yeah. it just irritates. Like, yeah. why, first of all, why would you want if there is such thing as a honeymoon phase? And I think there is a time mm-hmm. of like infatuation versus, you know, when you're really in love. But why would if it something that's blissful? Why would you want that to wear off? You just cursed me. Like mm-hmm. why? Why would? Yeah. Did you hear what you just said? <laughs> they didn't mean to. They meant good. Mm-hmm. They were just making a joke. But, but the point is, um, I think our relationship looks a lot the way it did when we were, um, when we were first discovering and getting to know each other. Because we still have that kind of connection. We still have that kind of playful fun. Mm-hmm. It's just really mature and solid. So it it's like super, um, what Pastor Mike say today, it's like she was mine before. <laughs> but, but now she's, she's but, mine. But the stuff we went through, yeah. now it, this, is so, this is real. Yeah. yeah. Like there's a different kind of protection that's going to go on there here. There is. There is. You know, so um, that that's really cool, the development. And as we've grown and, you know, you always tell me, you're my one. You're my one. And I think that everybody has their one. You just have to be patient and wait. And while you're waiting, work. Work on yourself. Work on you. Yeah, exactly. So that you can be ready. I remember there was a time after I made that vow and took it back. And almost immediately, I remember saying, you know what? If he even came into my life right now, this is a year before I met you. I'm not even ready. I'm not ready for him. I wouldn't handle it properly. I'd probably lose it if he was the right one and he came into my life right now. These are places that we need to have conversations that we should all be having with ourselves. Mm-hmm. Am, I, am I ready for a relationship like that? Okay, what do I want? I want a husband. I want, am I ready for it? I want to be a business owner. Are you ready for that? Are you ready to put the work in? Are you ready to do, you know, are you ready? And if you're not ready, it's not a bad thing. Not at all. It's okay. Mm-hmm. But being very clear and, and honest with yourself may prevent you from getting into a situation that's going to cause you more harm than it could have. 
And oh. what's wrong with the weight, you know? No, there's nothing wrong with the weight. That's a great opportunity. Again, like you said, for personal growth and, and development to prepare yourself. Because the truth of the matter is that when you enter into a relationship, you got to bring something to the table. Right. Well, you should. You, you, yeah, it's if a you want a successful take, relationship. So you need right. to deposit and withdraw, not exactly. just withdraw. Exactly. Yeah. Absolutely. Everybody's got to bring something to the table. And everybody has something. This is the thing. The, yeah. We all have something. It doesn't matter what you look like. It doesn't matter where you come from. As long as you have breath in your body, you have purpose. Mm -hmm. You have purpose. You have something to bring. Mm -hmm. But if you don't know what it is, you might be presenting the wrong things. It's true. And so I think you and I were much older when we met. And so this doesn't go for a lot of people. But for the younger people out there, I just, I, I want to say to just take your time. Take your time. And you remember that from like the moment you were born until you were like 18 years old for the most part most people lived with their parents they lived in a domestic situation where they answered to someone else when you're 18 19 now you're starting to venture out maybe you went to college away from where you were maybe you got an apartment somewhere between 18 and 27 you started making your own choices and your own decisions well in that time if you just went straight into a relationship without experiencing a little bit of life you may not know fully who you are yet exactly. you may not know fully what you carry and what you bring to the table you may not be aware you may think it's your body you may think it's the color of your hair you may think that it's something external Baby, there's something inside of you. It's in you. That's what you bring. Because those external things can fade. They will fade. That is a promise. They're going to change. And you can't rest on that for the rest of your life. But what's inside of you will grow. And it can mature. And it can become something even greater than what it already is. But it's already inside of you. And you got to find a person that respects and honors who you are one thing about you and i the one thing i think that really made you different to me with than other men that i had met you really honored and value and to this day you honor and you value who i am at my core and everything ex everything from there on out you you've honored that and i remember that was one of my prayers the man that is going to be mine he is going to love me as I am right now, head to toe. He will love me as I am. He's not going to expect me to be something else that I'm not. And you've, you've always said that to me. And it's really, it, to hear it is very empowering. And to know that you live it is very empowering. And so to anyone out there, I'm just saying, like, if you're not with someone who doesn't value your dreams... He doesn't value your, your thoughts, your opinions. He's trying to change you, your growth, your development. He's got to value, value, and then honor it. And how he honors it is he protects that part of you. He protects you. He protects you by being trustworthy. He protects you by being a safe place for you. Because you're not always going to feel 
like you can take on the world and you know you got this you're gonna have days we're 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 feminine we're female we're gonna have days where i ain't feeling it today for many reasons could be hormonal it could be i just am emotional it can be somebody hurt my feelings it can be i just am not feeling it today and i need to know that i can go to my partner and he can say hey all right what how can i help you like you do and I'm not saying this goes for everyone, but I do know that I've seen a lot of relationships and people who are happy and been happy for many years. And I see that ease that they have between each other because it is a solid two-way safe place. It is a solid two-way trust. It is a solid two-way honoring and valuing of each other and how they, how they operate in this world. Collectively and individually collectively and individually one of the things that I have asked of you and I still ask of you to this day one of my needs for you is to always be in a pursuit of being the highest and best version of you mm -hmm. that's who I love mm -hmm. I love you now I love you the way you are and I love you and who you're going to be in that pursuit of being the highest and best version of you. Why wouldn't I want that? Yeah. You know, as a man, if you're not in that pursuit of being the highest and best version of you, if you're the same person day in <laughs> and day out and day in and day out, that's when a relationship becomes arduous. Mm. In your opinion, I get it. I get that too. You know? I agree. Um, but that evolution... That yeah. growth, yeah, becoming the highest and best version of you. Um, not only do I get to witness that, to some degree, a small degree, I get to participate in that. Oh, you participated in you that know? big degree, and <laughs> especially when I'm like, awesome. I quit. I'm not doing this. This is dumb. <laughs> no, baby. You know I got you. No, it. You but know what? Yeah. To be on that journey. Yeah. It's it's important for a man to have his his woman be on a journey yeah but some sometimes people can't handle each other's doing that which then they're not the right one exactly I, that, we're back to we're back to that again yeah. and you can't find that out yeah until, uh, until you actually take the time to court yeah yeah oh yes yeah you know that's yeah. where you find this stuff out yeah and then the other thing you find out is you find out who someone is when you get the opportunity to witness them facing adversity yeah oh yeah that too that's when you really get to know who this person is. And I think, too, in that knowing, you get to see where your place is. Where do you fall into that? Exactly. You're witnessing them face adversity. Okay, where's my role in it? Mm -hmm. Does she go to her friends when she's going through something? There's going to be a moment when she goes to her friends. Mm -hmm. But does she ever come to me? Right. Does she trust me enough to bring it to me? And is he a safe place I can go to? Or do I need to just go to my friends because he ain't really, he ain't safe? I've been in those, man, yeah, right? Yeah, And what you say there, babe, about um, your need, and you, you, you have, you've always said that to me. But you celebrate me when I can't celebrate myself. You have helped me on the days when I'm not so loving of myself. You love me in a way, and you've helped me see, my, see myself in a way that is um, 
you help me get back to celebrating and back to loving myself. And I appreciate that because I didn't have that before. And I wouldn't know. And, and, and this is why it's good to experience different relationships mm-hmm. sometimes. Um, I feel that everyone's going to have their heart broke at some point. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's not from a romantic relationship. Sometimes, you know, you might be a little girl who your daddy broke your heart. And I, I count that also as a heartbreak. And you may find, you know, you're one very quickly in life because that's the way God blessed you. But I believe everyone's going to have their heart broke at some times because if you don't know heartbreak, you cannot know true love. You can't know it. You can't experience it if you didn't know what it was. I didn't know. I thought I loved before. But man, I pray that everybody gets to know what it feels like to love someone completely safe and to feel like I can love uh, and it's okay to love you as deeply, as hard, as true, as, as humorously as I, as I want. Any way that I want, I can love you and you're ready for it. I am. And I appreciate And, and I get the opportunity to do that for you. You know, one of my one of my greatest joys in life is to be there for you on those days. Yeah. When you're not really feeling yourself. Yeah. And I told you, on those days when you're a little bit down or you're a little bit blue, <laughs> you know what? Come to me. <laughs> Come to me. Because I'm going to re-educate you about yourself. I'm going to teach you about yourself. I'm going to remind you mm. who you are and what you bring. And where you're going. That is my joy. That is my pleasure to do that. I appreciate it. And I need you to come to me. I don't need you going to your girlfriends. I don't need you going to other people. There's some things you can go to them for, and that's okay. Yeah. yeah right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But this right here? Yeah. This is mine. <laughs> okay, baby. Settle down. <laughs> you know? Well, and it took me a long time to trust you when you said that because of the past. And that's another thing. One of the last things that I will say when you're in a new relationship ladies especially because you know our memories are like elephants they're very long enter into your new relationship as it is new you've never been here before don't bring that old stuff try try really hard and if you're not ready to release the old stuff yet maybe wait before you start in uh, the word that came to me was entrapping. <laughs> it's like entrapment, you mm-hmm. know, before mm-hmm. you start um, putting someone else into that web that they don't even know. And he can't atone for what someone else did. He didn't break it, so he can't fix it. That's right. That 25%, it's a 25%. It's not, he can't heal you from all the way, 100% from what you what happened before. So maybe you're just not ready yet. And that's another place of humility that we have to walk in and say, you know what? Mm -hmm. So leave that old past thing. 
you know, get as, as far along in your healing from it as you can so that you can be whole, a little bit more whole when you get here. Tell me. Yes. Oh, you were going to say something. I was going to say, um, along with that, is both men and women need to, um, in my opinion, um, temper their expectations. Oh, yeah, wait, we got to talk about that real quick. Yes. Sure. Tempering their expectations. That's huge. It absolutely is. Managing your expectations is huge. Right, right. When I got that, I'm thankful it was around year five of our marriage. So we're 10 years in at this point. Mm -hmm. Um, I... (laughs) Because we had a very long engagement that I loved. And we got to learn each other a we lot did. during that time. We did. Um, we had a long courtship as well. I, <laughs> when I got the concept of, oh, it's, why do I keep falling into this same rut? Because I'm expecting something. Know who you're with and manage your expectations. I, I'm expecting something different. When I got that, oh my goodness, it was, it's really, it saved a lot because mm-hmm. I just kept saying that to myself. And it just relieved, again, it relieves the, relieves the pressure of you. You're try, I'm trying to make you perform to something and you have no, even no idea that that's what I'm expecting. Exactly. Is that fair? Not at all. It's not fair. But this is what sometimes we do because we forget I think. I think we forget. Manage your expectations. And I think expectations, they, they change over a period of time. Totally. After you've got some experience under your belt totally. and with each other. Yeah. You know, and it's okay for your expectations to evolve yeah. and to change and to grow or to modify. That's okay. Yes. Communicate that. Yes. Just Men like love women. languages. Your love languages change too. Absolutely. You could have started over here. You got to test that thing like every three to five years, I feel mm-hmm. like. Because you're growing. Absolutely. And you have different needs and different seasons. Mm-hmm. And it's so good. Bring your partner along. <laughs> mm-hmm. Let them know what you expect. Let them know what you think you need right now. I mean, it's a no-brainer. It is for us. <laughs> it is for us. Yeah, it is. You know. And, and you know at any time. At any time. You can come to me. Yeah. With an expectation or a desire or a need. Yeah. Like the other day. Like the other day. But you know what's funny? It took me a long time even to do that. I was I all know. proud of myself. You know, it 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 still is it's still a growing process. But marriage, I believe, is where you get to do that growing from now until mm-hmm. until the very last breath that you take. And if you're expecting it to be perfect, and if you're expecting it to be looking like this and looking like that person's marriage, and you got to remember that this is a lifetime of us getting to know each other, and we're constantly changing. So just when you think, <laughs> just when you think you thought you had it, I thought, ah, oh, man, it's a new season, and now the needs have changed. Okay, I need to be flexible here. You know, so tell me, I was going to say, um, knowing the way that you, uh, have come up in this world and 
and uh, what you experienced with love in your early parts of your life, which was, there was none. No. What would you tell your younger self if you could go back and just be a wise sage and plant a seed in his ear in young Roger what would you tell him about love I would tell him don't be in a rush Mm. I would tell him to be patient I would tell him that it might not be what you think it is Take the time to learn yourself. Take the time to temper your expectations. Don't allow society or family Mm. or anybody else push you or force you into something. If you are of an impatient nature, of which I do have, um, get a handle on that (laughs) before you even think about love. Wow. Okay. One of my superpowers is one of my weaknesses as well, and that's tenacity. Yes. Get a handle on that, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But above all, don't feel the need to place pressure upon yourself to perform for yourself mm. in an attempt to discover love or a relationship. That's really good. I hope your young Roger would have listened to that, because that was good. Good advice, sound. I hope he would have listened to it, too. I mean, <laughs> didn't have much to work with, you know? Right, so, right. And, wow. and you, so tell me, what would you tell your younger self? Mm. No pressure or anything. (laughs) (laughs) Really? With a little game show song? Mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) I don't know. I would probably tell her, um, don't think that everybody is is a representation. Stop. Don't look for your, ooh, don't look for your dad and everybody. Mm. That's big. He was a safe place for you. He was a certain he's your daddy. Everybody's not your daddy. I know there's those little zaddies and all this new stuff. <laughs> Remember we were like, what's a zaddy? Like, what is, what's a zaddy, right? <laughs> Sorry, y'all. We're not old. We just, I didn't know. Okay, I'm still yeah. not completely clear, but it's good. Um, no, I would tell her that. I would tell her, don't think everyone, that's your father. That is a different not completely different thing that is not your husband and I would tell her that you can't love anyone into change people have to come when people want to change they they will change themselves so don't try and think that you can love them harder so that they can see your, you as a different value and know your value and don't cast your pearls before swine. I don't know. I would just kind of tell her that. That's you know, good. don't That's good. don't don't cast don't you have value? I mean, I feel like I knew that, but don't think that just because you think you're valuable, 
people won't mistreat you. Because they will. And they won't see your value because of the way they were raised. And don't ever give up on love. Because love will never give up on you. And you might feel like you want to. But don't give up on it. When it's right, you will know it. That's probably what I would tell her. Just off the top of my head right now. That's good. So. Would she have listened? Yeah, she's... Seeds that were planted in her, she always kept. That's why I can remember a lot of things that people said to me when I was younger. Because I always... I valued wisdom greatly when I was younger. I would listen. I love to be around the older people and just listen. (laughs) Yeah, she would have listened. And when she got in those situations, she'd have been like, aha, mm-hmm, I heard about you. <laughs> You're not my daddy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Well, this has been a very interesting conversation, a little different today. But thank you for joining me on today's episode. It's love happy hour around here. So I think we did a good, I think we did okay. I think so too. Thanks for having me and and uh, sharing our story and yeah. this has been great. Well, I hope you guys got a little something out of our jump around here and uh, that you were able to pull something from what we've spoken today. We really, I just really, really know that there's a lot of people. Um, because I talk to a lot of people who are looking for relationships and sometimes they don't have good direction. None of us do, you know. Um, but when we, what did Maya Angelou say? She said, when you learn, you teach. And these are some of the things that we've learned and this is how it looked for us. And no story is a perfect story. There is no perfect love story. It's just a love story. There's ups and downs, there's highs and lows, there's good days, there's not so good days, but when it's real, it has opportunity to grow and be beautiful. And you look at those days that weren't so great and you appreciate them. And you look at the days that are beautiful and you learn from them. So that was my heart for today's episode. And stay tuned because the next episode we're going to talk about something. I'm going to keep you around for, I think, one more time, maybe. We'll see. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> As I get my spirit intrigued here. Anyway, um, you guys know. You can follow us at love-manifested.com. Please share, subscribe, and um, tell a friend about the podcast. And... Um, just remember that, you know, every day is a new day. <sighs> every day is a day that grace is fresh from God. And uh, if you allow him to direct your steps and order your steps, man, you can have a really great experience. No matter what, you can see him in it. So I love you guys and I pray that you have a beautiful love life day all right 
We'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye. Bye.